Hello Hello there. there. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I am Sugi. And I am Serapos. (laughs) I'm Eli. (laughs) I'm Jacob. For real, though. Um, This is a running gag I do. Uh, I just say random people's names. Anyway, uh, welcome to episode 39 of Star Wars in the Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Uh, Today is just a regular episode. We watched the Clone Wars episodes Bounty Hunters, The Zillow Beast, and The Zillow Beast Strikes Back. Um, These are not in the episode order. They are in the chronological order. Um, This is one of the only times from here on out the Clone Wars will do this, but... We went from 2-1, to 2-17, 2-18, and 2-19, which doesn't really make a lot of sense um, season-wise, but episode-wise, you know, we do what we can. Um, so yeah, this is in the chronological order. Um, hope you guys enjoyed our Star Wars Podcast Day episode. Uh, at the time of recording this, it has gone up, but at the time of posting it, it indeed has gone up. So hope uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, hope you people enjoyed Jacob and I talking about people acting drunk for twenty five minutes. Obi Wan, Ahsoka, and Anakin are going to look for a a missing medical station. They end up getting shot down on Felucia, and they have to team up with these bounty hunters to train some uh, herb farmers to fight off Hondo Odaka's pirates because it is Hondo of all people. So. Of course it is. It's Star Wars. Cookie is um, wait, good. before we get to the fortune cookie, we should start with the dedication for this episode. Mm. Oh, yeah. This episode is dedicated to legendary Japanese filmmaker Akira Kurosawa. Um, he was most famously known as the director of a movie called The Seventh Samurai. This episode is one of Star Wars' many flirtations with The Seventh Samurai plot. Uh, it does it a couple times in The Mandalorian. It does it, but the. But the most famous one, in my opinion, the best one, in my opinion, is the one they do this episode for Bounty Hunters. Go ahead, sorry. The fortune cookie is courage makes heroes, but trust makes friendship. What do you think about this fortune cookie, Eli? Um, you know, it's not anything special, but it's good. I like it. It's the whole, like, we're stronger together, there are more of us sort of thing. Yeah, it seems like what Star Wars is. Um, fortune cookie's not like the crazy strongest, but the episode is much better again, in my opinion, than the fortune cookie. Yeah, I think we kind of see it borne out where Obi, especially with Obi Wan and the bounty hunters. You know, we see Obi Wan saying, "We can't trust the bounty hunters; they're mercenaries, and you're extorting the farmers." But eventually, he kind of has to accept that he has to work with the bounty hunters in order to defeat the pirates. And yeah. and same thing with uh, Sugi and the bounty hunters and. I think it's it's kind of a weak motto. They could have come up with something stronger, I think, but I don't know. It feels yeah, pretty it obvious already, and the heroes parts seem unrelated. But I, I actually, on. I was thinking about this. Um, I saw in your notes you were talking about the courage makes heroes part. I think that's about the farmers. I think it's about the farmers finally standing up for uh, their crops and their lifestyles. Mm, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Because oh. the the farmers. Yeah. Yeah, they it took a lot of courage for them to stand up. We had this this one farmer. I think I wrote his name Delani. down. Delani. Delani. This one farmer, Delani, absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Like, I don't know, Eli, have you ever watched Rick and Morty? He really reminds me of Morty. I have. Like, oh, geez, no. Obi-Wan, I don't know about this. We're not meant to yeah. be warriors. So, oh, let geez. me tell you something about these three episodes in specific. 
these three episodes, along with the three episodes of the fi- of the three final episodes of the season, which were like the Boba Fett and the Bounty Hunters one at the end of the season, I've watched all six of these episodes like seven times each. I had a like second half of the Clone Wars season two DVD that I would watch on flights when I was uh, younger. And so I just know these three episodes so ridiculously well. Um, so I will know crazy things about these episodes only because I've watched them like six, seven times over. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really, actually, a lot of why I love, spoiler, why I love Bounty Hunters is because of the nostalgia factor of this episode. I've watched this episode like eight times. First, um, we see Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka flying a ship to investigate a Republic medical facility. Now, let's open... uh, I never thought I'd have a logistical problem with this episode in specific. Let me ask you something, though. Why are are they not in the Twilight? I mean... I mean, I guess it's, it's nice to pull out the Twilight, but we do see that ship being used less and less as the series, as the series goes on. Yeah. And it, it makes sense for them to be using a fast Jedi ship for a mission like this, where they don't think that they're going to run into any trouble. They don't, because clearly they're caught very, they're caught by surprise. They're taking, it's a, it, it's a routine off guard. check. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be a routine check. Why not just take the fastest ship possible? Yeah, I and agree. Then, yeah, so we have them. They're they're shot down, um, and and then they have to bail out. And here's where things get a little weird because you think that the ship, the, the advanced technology of the Jedi, the Republic, the Star Wars galaxy, you'd think they'd have ejector seats or rocket boosters or parachutes, but no, they have giant bouncy balls instead of any of those I'm things, go with and they bubbles. just. They just fall out of the sky in giant bubbles. How? What? That is just. I I burst out laughing when I saw that because I. Just, I don't know. It didn't bother me, but okay. It just took me by surprise so much. Even though I'd seen it before, I kind of forgot about that part. It, it was very. It was very surprising. Yeah. yeah. Um. And then uh, we get some funny dialogue between Anakin and Obi Wan that I love. Um. Right after they land on Felucia. Um, we know we should go this way. Oh, I think we should go that way. We always do things your way. We crash the ship your way, which is yeah, I, just I the do. best. Yeah, I really like the Anakin, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan dynamic yeah. in this. I think, I think it's interesting because we do see in the Ahsoka novel, Ahsoka kind of says that Anakin and Obi-Wan are like bickering parents. And we definitely do see that here. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's kind of interesting also to see how Anakin now not only has to play his role of the like petulant, like not following the rules, very rebellious Padawan. Now he has to deal with Ahsoka doing the same thing because that's how she is also. Yeah. And now he is simultaneously still putting himself in the old position like Attack of the Clones and also dealing with ahsoka basically doing everything that he did to obi-wan yeah. to him except, except, for he, he has except to deal with ahsoka doesn't kill him else because like ahsoka is kind of like a better version of anakin from attack of the clones if i'm being brutally honest um i yeah think she's more she's uh more proficient with the force and a lightsaber than anakin was and i definitely really? think she was a better padawan than anakin was um, i don't know if she was as powerful but definitely 
I definitely rather have Ahsoka as my Padawan. She seems, I mean, let's she seems much, this, okay? uh, much easier to get along with than murderous teenage angst Anakin. Well, who, let me ask like, you this, okay? goes from creeping on Padme to slaughtering a bunch of innocent Tuscans. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... Um, what were you going to ask? Oh, I was going to ask this. So Ahsoka's 16 at the end of the Clone Wars. Anakin's 20 in Attack of the Clones. Okay, End that's a good point. Clones. Anakin's pretty whiny for a for a 20-year-old. Yeah, but uh, no, my point is like, you know, maybe Anakin's more powerful in Attack of the Clones than oh, Ahsoka is at this point, but at the end of the Clone Wars, still younger, and I'd argue more powerful, but okay. Um, uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I want to point out, so they go into this Felucian village of the na of the native farmers there. You know you can go into buildings very much like these in Battlefront 2 on the Felucia map? That's good. That's pretty I've, cool. That didn't, I've I didn't been know in that. those buildings. So. Oh, nice. Um, I really like the design of the buildings. I thought it was yeah. very creative that you have a, a horizontal door that you have to go under and then you come back up. It kind of reminded me of uh, some some type of snow uh snow construction where you, you you tunnel into the snow i'm not sure what they're called they're not igloos and they're not yeah they're not igloos they're not quinzies there's something i don't know what they are but i i thought it was really cool i love the entire design that they uh that they had put together yeah i for, definitely agree um so we it was really awesome so anakin obi-wan and ahsoka find the farmers they also find the bounty hunters that they've hired to protect them uh, Sugi, Embo, um, Serapis, and there's another one, and I believe her name is Rumi Paramita, but I could yeah, be Ruby wrong. Yeah, Rumi Paramita. She dies though, right? I'm pretty sure she does die, actually. And I gotta say, I think it is such a shame that of all four of these, Embo is the only one we ever see again. I mean, I like Embo the best of all of them, but like... Sugi is such a fascinating character, and so is Serapis, honestly, that I would have loved to see them again. Yeah, I'm honestly fine with not seeing them again. Sugi, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Sugi, but I, I did see her, uh, I did see how her point of view was kind of important to the story. Yeah. Which I guess brings us to the next part of the story, which is Jedi and the Bounty Hunters. And the Seven Samurai subplot, yeah. Yeah, four plus three. Um, so basically, um, on uh, Felucia, the farmers are growing a very valuable herb called Nicillum. And Hondo's pirates really want some of that Nicillum because it's precious and it can be sold on... It's, it's efficient and it's valuable and it can be sold on the black market for a lot of money. So they terrorize them um, until the bounty hunters come around um, and get their Nicillum uh, every month, I think it is. Um, and... The Jedi eventually, um, in the process with the bounty hunters, uh, decide to train the villagers to defend themselves from the pirates. Yeah. Um, and the, the, a lot of the villagers are pretty reluctant, but I, they yeah. come around. They yeah. come around. Um, let's see. Um, so, uh, first of all, let's get to that first um, confrontation between... Um, the pirates and um, uh, the bounty hunters and also the Jedi. There's a lot in that that I like. Um, first of all, state your name and business. My name's my own business. Yeah, that's such a great. great line. Um, 
it is like be is a beautiful line um and um so hondo again pressures the farmers for the crops um and then he sees the jedi and there's some precious one lines that hondo has um my, one of my favorite one is ones is um you know i like you kenobi um which is just such a great line. Yeah, I, I do like Hondo in this. I think he is he is generally at his sassiest, at his funniest. And I think he does a good job of, of being a, kind of a little bit more slimy, a little bit less likable than than before, even though he is still a villain, even though he was a villain before in season one on the forum yeah. episodes. But yeah, overall, I, I really liked what they did with him. He was pretty funny. And, and despite being... I like how despite being a villain, they do make him endearing and and almost almost relatable at times, I would say. And I like yeah, that how they kind of make absolutely. him someone that that you want you want to come back, even yeah. though you know he's bad news for the yeah. good guy for, for Anakin and Obi-Wan and they generally think he's a pain in the butt, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think he's great. I think he's Here's really a question I have for you. What are underworld people like, what are their problems with Republic currency? First I mean, Hondo, first Watto, be... then Hondo, both. I, I mean, mean, probably they they just people don't accept it. You can't. Uh, <laughs> maybe you can't. Um, maybe you can't use it in the criminal facilities in which you would want to use it. Maybe it can be traced. Yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't really bother me that much, but I, it, it I, is interesting. It didn't bother me. I would I like just found to it see funny, a... honestly. Uh, yeah, I would like to see a deeper dive into that I, side of Star Wars at some I point. Would, actually, the line that I see. hoped Obi Wan would have said after um, Hondo explains to him that he's not going to take Republic credits. I, I okay, again, say. again, Republic it, uh, Clone Wars is a kids' show, that, so they never would have done this. But I really wanted Obi Wan to go, "Not this shit again." Oh, I thought you're. I thought it, I was pretty good. He was gonna say credits will do fine. No, I I, I wanted to say not this shit again. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, not this again. Yeah. I mean, it, I do like the parallel there with the. Yeah, I think absolutely. Maybe it's a phantom, probably a phantom menace reference. Yeah, I at think the very so. least. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Obi-Wan initially is very passive. He does not want to help the um, citizens, which is honestly kind of anti-Obi-Wan for me. I don't know. It well, seems I mean, he like... says he wants to. Like, he, he privately admits that he wants to, but I think publicly he feels that he has to keep... He has to keep the the viewpoint of we have to we have to do our duty. So I think what he's thinking is which is probably very Obi-Wan of him, is compassion is good, but at the end of the day, I need to do my duty. Yeah. So I feel um, like that, it definitely comes from there. And it definitely reminds me of when, when he says, why do I sense we've picked up another pathetic, pathetic life, form, life form? The way he doesn't yeah. want to admit. Like, because like, he says, privately he admits to Anakin that he wants to help, but then to the, um, to the bounty hunters, he says, we couldn't help even if we wanted to, which obviously... Yeah. says to them i'm not gonna help so that's just interesting to me anakin starts to seven samurai train them 
And again, I got, you know, flashbacks to other Seven Samurai-esque episodes like Sanctuary from season one of The Mandalorian and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, one of my favorite lines from this part is, um, all right, everyone, form up. Yeah, and then they, they just uh, line just up so in lost. rows of five. It's and they the still, they Anakin still is can't so do pissed. That. Anakin it is reminds so pissed. me kind of almost of a teacher who's trying to marshal the kids during like some kind of elementary school community like team bonding activity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it really, it really feels like that. Yeah. Um, let me just say this, actually. This is a great episode for Embo. Embo shines in this episode. I mean, I'm a huge Embo fan, so, like, but, but Embo is great, actually. Actually, Jacob, do you know this? you know who voices Embo? Who voices Embo? Mr. Dave Filoni. What, really? Wow. Yeah. But is it, what, what language is Embo speaking? It's not Cuso. English. Cuso. Cuso. I, that, that makes sense, but. Because he's a Cuso. Yeah, he's a Cuso. Um, but yeah, um, I also, I was just thinking, uh, Kevin Kiner's score in this episode is killer. Really? I thought like, this was one of the weaker scores. But oh, I yeah. love like what that it, exotic music flair in this episode while they're like training. If we're, if we're trying to talk about the more out there music, like when they incorporate some different string instruments and different types of wind instruments and and drums that we don't usually see in the more classical parts i really think that the clone wars movie and a lot of the season one episodes like the lorman episodes do a better job of that or the or the um or the ryloth episodes but i do i do agree that there was some there were there were some fun bits it almost felt yeah. like a musical it felt like they were referencing maybe mulan almost just the way they 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 incorporated the more upbeat music yeah. more yeah. melodic with also the whole let's get down to business type scene with anakin you know they train the farmers and um uh there's a gr there's also another great line i'm just pointing out all sorts of this episode's one a good one for dialogue honestly um i yeah this episode is some killer dialogue and and one of them i think it's actually delani who has a great arc in my opinion in this episode says to obi-wan um these pirates are so fierce why don't you just defeat them yourselves um without us and then obi-wan says and what good would that do another band of brigands will inevitably will inevitably come along um which i i don't know if you know what i think it foreshadows the tuskens yeah, of i don't you th oh, you thought it foreshadowed the Tuscans. That's interesting. No, no, the Tuscans uh, will be back, uh, uh, fierce, and they will be back, and in greater numbers. Oh, yeah. That's not quite what I thought of, but yeah, you're right. That is a good, that's probably a reference. And I also yeah. thought that, I, I really thought that it was like a um, kind of, not necessarily a reference, but I thought it was really smart. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it that line I, I thought it was very interesting and then there's this sequence where um serapis is training with um with some other bounty hunters and a tree falls on him and it's revealed that his mechanical suit is just that a mechanical suit a, a mechanical suit and he's just a little guy <laughs> he's just a little guy operating like a humongous suit 
which actually a lot of people, I don't know if this was for you, but I know a lot of people around me were saying uh, after the release of The Force Awakens that they thought Snoke was going to be similar, that he was a big hologram, but he was just going to be this like tiny little guy. That would have been, what if, what if Snoke was actually like a giant hologram? What if he was being controlled by a, I can't remember his name now, the tiny guy from Rise of Skywalker? Babu Freak? Yeah, what if what if Snoke is actually Snoke? <laughs> you heard Freak? it here first, people. The <laughs> newest Snoke theory. Freak. Snoke is actually Babu Freak. Imagine that. Wow. That's a good one. I like that. I like. I definitely like that. Um, also, we get some Embo stuff. Um, we got some Embo action where he chases that scout. That sequence is so cool. Where Honestly, he does like. Yeah. The- double somersault and he uses his helmet for protection man i love that stuff um yeah uh and so the scout never reports back to um hondo and hondo decides to bring a tank along um which is an interesting idea he also does a really weird I love that. paraphrasing I feel like... of a teddy roosevelt quote Really? Oh yeah, speak, speak softly, softly and drive, and a, big drive a big tank. So where who, is... who must say that quote in Star Wars? That is the most Hondo thing though to me. Yeah. Being like, my it's guys. It's not can't a Star go... Wars quote. It's a Teddy Roosevelt. Quote. Yeah. My guys can't get the job done. Screw it. I'm I'm pulling up in a tank. I'm pulling <laughs> go up. Go big or go home. Story. Yeah. That's the Hondo. Yeah. Like that's the yeah man. Yeah. I yeah, also love Hondo. um speaking of the therapist thing actually too. Um, there's an Ahsoka line, which is like maybe one of my favorite Ahsoka lines, period ever. Um, which is, you don't have to look tough to be tough. It is yeah, maybe absolutely. one of my favorite Ahsoka lines just ever, honestly. Um, yeah, great stuff. Um, let's see, what else? So we get to our final um, fight between Hondo's pirates and the, um, of course, uh, shoot, the, uh, farmers, uh, and we get Jedi, we get, um, bounty hunters, and we get farmers all fighting the pirates together. Um, Rumi Paramita, which is one of the bounty hunters, gets killed, Embo gets injured, uh, and but mostly other than that, it's a pretty casualty-free fight, except for the pirates, uh, one of whom drives by on a speeder but is hit with a spear, who is then revealed to be thrown by Delani, who, despite his skepticism before, has decided to join the fight anyway, completing what I think is an incredible arc um, in there. Um, and he immediately just kills someone and that's how he rejoins the fight just yep brutal murder not even like not even trying to blow up the speeder or block his path nope, just, no, just murder 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 let's go but um, i mean maybe they were maybe the pirates deserved it who knows who can yeah. say um, i kind of felt sympathy for the pirates though to be honest i don't know love it they got um, they got pretty they got pretty brutalized by ambo yeah we also got a dank clone wars meme in this episode which i love um so once is it hondo the quote re- that's not actually a quote what well oh, that's a different one no go on go on um once hondo realizes 
that he uh, is not going to be very effective trying to get the Silum from the farmers anymore. He takes off in his ship, his final line being one of the best Hondo lines in the entire Clone Wars. This effort is no longer profitable! It was so good the way he delivered that line. He perfectly <laughs> timed it with his ship coming up afterwards. He said each word like with a big pause in between for emphasis. <laughs> this effort is no longer profitable. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That just that just cracked so up. So good. I love you know, it so much. Speaking of of memes, jokes, and memorable lines, I think there is a line that is either misattributed to this episode or not actually in this episode at all. There's an internet meme where you have Anakin, Obi-Wan, Ahsoka right oh, after the crash. Oh, I know what you're going with. And, and, and Anakin says, Master, in your opinion, what's the height, the of, height stupidity? of stupidity? And then Obi-Wan says, Anakin, how, Anakin tall are you? how tall are you? And I wish that was in this episode. I wish no, it was. It I don't think that was ever it, in the show, honestly. Yeah, you, you I think, think that's a just, take uh, the shit and get out situation. Well, um, yeah, where what? someone just... Where someone just, just made it up. The, uh... Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That's something someone would yeah. do. So, overall, what did you think of this episode? Overall, I I wasn't the hugest fan of this episode. But, you know, I, I thought it had its it had its moments. It had a lot of good one-liners. A lot of good... The dialogue was really great, I thought, for a few different reasons in a few different places. But overall, I thought that there are lots of episodes which do a much more effective, nuanced job of of looking into the morality of the of the Jedi. You're gonna be surprised at this, or maybe not, I don't know. I have been ranking the season two episodes with my season one episodes on my ranking list. Bounty Hunters <laughs> is number two on my list so far. Wow. So you really you really I this love one. this episode. It has it's it's I it's not gonna stay there for long because other episodes are gonna be better and push it aside, but like it it gets it has a good point, it has a good message, it has some great lines, it has some interesting characters and character decisions, and I I just adore this episode. Uh, it's also probably quite a bit of nostalgia for me because again I've seen this episode like eight <laughs> or nine times. Um, eight or nine times. Oh my god! Seriously though. Um, but I just kind of love this episode. Um, the other ones too, but this one specifically. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I really did love this episode. Um, let's get on to the next episode. What do you think? Yeah, on to the next. The Zillow the Beast. The Zillow Beast. The catastrophic Battle of Malastare um, results in a Republic victory only through use of its newest weapon, the Electro-Proton Bomb, which disables all of the droids but leaves the clones unharmed. But this Electro-Proton Bomb creates a sinkhole which unearths one of Malastare's greatest terrors, the once-thought extinct Zillow Beast. Together, the Jedi and the Republic and the Dugs have to figure out what is the best course of action to take with this Zillow Beast. Um, fortune Cookie. Choose what is right, not what is easy. What do you think of this? What, 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 what is your take? It's just classic light side versus dark side. You know, it reminds me of the Yoda quote from episode 5. If you do what Vader did, if you choose the quick and easy path, you will become an agent of evil. Um, hmm, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, an it's, interesting way of looking at it's it, yeah. pretty, 
clear cut for me. Um, I will also point out, actually, can you say, uh, can I just say this before you give your analysis of Fortune Cookie? These next two episodes are also very heavily inspired, not by Akira Kurosawa, but by Kaiju and the monster movie, like, franchise format. Dave Filoni was a huge fan of Godzilla, and so he made Godzilla in Star Wars, basically. Yeah, that definitely. Um, go ahead with your fortune cookie thoughts. Okay, so choose what is right, not what is easy. I think this is a pretty interesting one. You know, the bomb is definitely one example of this that's very apparent. You know, clearly it's an easy way to, to get rid of the droids, secure Malice Stare. Palpatine is going to have his his contract and his fuel, but it's clearly riskier and less certain than he's making it out to be. And it, of course, it ends up opening a massive crater in the ground. So had they chosen a harder way to get rid of the droids, maybe it would have turned out different. You know, also, I think if we look at this episode from an environmentalist angle, which I think is pretty interesting considering this and then later the whole debate about the Zillow Beast in the next episode... I think it definitely applies in terms of politics. You know, we see both in universe and in the real world, you know, politicians trying to do what is maybe the most appealing short term, even though that doesn't end up creating a better situation long term. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so we see again, so the crawl, the not sorry, the opening duration describes this as one of the biggest battles of the Clone Wars, which I have a little bit of a problem with because it seems like every other battle is one of the biggest battles of the Clone Wars, but, like, I'll let it slide. I absolutely love Palpatine in these episodes. He's so manipulative, and, and so it's just I'm great how he appeals to everyone's emotions. I'm going to make my case next episode. The next episode we're talking about, Zillow B Strikes Back, I'll preview this for you. I'm going to make the case that the Zillow B Strikes Back is Palpatine's best episode in the entire show. I might have to agree with you on that one, to be honest. That sounds. Um, I'll explain why later, but pretty um, easy to defend. But uh, but yeah. Um, so we get this humongous battle. There are dozens and hundreds of droids and dozens and hundreds of clones. This is a huge battle. Huge. Um. Want to say anything about the um, Battle of Malastare? I think it is a cool moment because you see so much of the Clone Wars is kind of depicting the clones, and oftentimes the Separatists too, but mostly the clones being super, super thinly spread and they're, they're reaching their breaking point and they can only allocate one ship for this battle and whatnot. So it's super impressive when we see the massive amount of clones, the massive amount of the the large number of cruisers drop out of hyperspace and you know leading up to when the the bomb is dropped i think the the entire y-wing flight sequence is absolutely amazing i love the close-up shots they really they really try to give you i don't know a sense of the the power and and speed of these machines which as someone who's really into the vehicles in star wars absolutely love it kind of reminded me of world war ii aviation museums kind of the the way the way the shots came together and i don't know i just thought that sequence for me is probably the best single 
scene, I would say, in all of the Clone Wars. It's just so That's cool. high praise. I was fanboying out so hard the entire time. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. That is high praise. Indeed. Um, yes. Yeah, so... Um, so the bomb is dropped. The electroproton bomb is dropped. I'd like to give a little reference and a shout out here. Um, the the guy, the clone who drops the bomb is named is a clone trooper named Goji. The reason why I'm giving a shout out to this guy is because of the Dragon Con Star Wars 2020 um, finals. Uh, usually, Dragon Con is a convention held in Atlanta, and their Star Wars their Star Wars trivia contest. Uh, throughout all canon is some of the hardest ever but the final round of the dragon con trivia contest last year due to the covid19 pandemic was filmed on star wars explains youtube channel uh and marie e wilson who is a great uh star wars content creator uh you should check out her youtube channel i'll leave in the link below won the contest by naming goji in the uh from a picture in the contest wow that is a um, deep and now deep she's playing oh, in the oh movie goodness. trivia showdown so i'm excited to see her debut actually she's <laughs> debuting in about a month um in the showdown so i'm very excited and I'm, i'll be rooting right. for her as well so um i wanted to drop that little reference in there i love that this arc is not about the battle of malister it's not about it it we it it, it happened it nerfed the bigger, bigger problem. We don't really even care about the battle. How many times do we hear about the battle afterwards? Not very many. I also love that in the battle, the Dugs are already fighting in the Republic. You know if this was a season one episode, we'd have to devote an entire episode on the Dugs tr deciding whether or not to stay neutral in this war uh, or help the Republic against the Separatist invasion that's coming. Nope, they're already here. Yeah, it already I happened. Think, I think it's definitely really interesting to see just just the aftermath of a battle that's something we don't often get to see you know in the clone wars we're zooming around the galaxy we're seeing all types of crazy adventures but this is obviously i wouldn't say it's mundane at all but it is really interesting that we actually get to see them dealing with even if it is in a very large flashy extravagant way the aftermath of a battle and maybe some of the unintended consequences of using a weapon of mass destruction yeah, um, so uh, then um, after um, the battle, they talk about a treaty that the Dugs are going to sign with the Republic that legitimizes the Republic's presence there. First of all, let me ask you something. This is a literal note I wrote, is all it says. In all caps, why is there always a treaty? Like, it seems like there's always a treaty for these sort of things. I mean... There is always a treaty. They're, they're, it's the Republic. They're politicians. They're wheeling and dealing. That's, that's, how they, that's how they move. Yeah, I know. It's just like, it's yeah, almost another to... Star Wars trope this time. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the crucial treaty is a, is a Star Wars trope. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, actually, we, got, we forgot about the ship getting destroyed last episode. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> ship gets it's destroyed. There again. Anakin's. Or not yeah. Anakin's, but yeah. And in this yeah. episode, too, we see Anakin's starfighter get destroyed. Yeah, it's not exactly the same. You think? The ship As, getting I mean, destroyed maybe... is not just any ship getting destroyed. The ship getting destroyed is any 
the ship, which is usually their only way of leaving the planet getting destroyed. Yeah. They have plenty maybe of ways it's a to crash. Maybe it's planet. a crash landing. Maybe that's what it is. The, sh- the crash landing. Is what's or just the, the ship getting you know. destroyed in general, like the Magnagar is destroying Kit Fisto's ship in Lair of Grievous, or uh, the shuttle getting destroyed in Rookies. Um, but anyway, uh, so the electroproton bomb creates a massive sinkhole, like a huge sinkhole. And Anakin and Mace Windu, who is also there for the Battle of Malastar, go down to investigate. Um, and, um, Mace Windu goes down and he finds a wounded clone and the clone says one of a a great kaiju inspired line, which is, um, there's something down here with us. Man, this, this sequence was absolutely chilling when Mace Windu finds the, the, the rock with the, the handprints on it. And you could see that the hands had been dragged away. And we're scraping against the rock. That was absolutely, that was absolutely chilling. I love that. And like when you realize they're standing on the Zillow Beast. Oh my gosh! I mean, having seen this episode before, I kind of knew as soon as we saw that shot. Oh no, they're standing. Yeah, me too. Maybe maybe we were supposed to not know for a little longer, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on, that was that was pretty crazy. You gotta admit, yeah. that was. Um, Mace Windu. This episode has a bad feeling about this. Um, also, once the Zillow Beast is actually discovered, a clone gets stepped on by the Zillow Beast and lets out a Wilhelm scream. Um, Good old Wilhelm scream. Yeah, um, so that's the low-hanging fruit I got. Um, I also, this is just another one, um, love when Anakin rides R2-D2. That, that's pretty funny, It's yeah. basically a ship. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I really... Yeah. I love also, I don't know if you noticed this, but the Doug artillery, I really liked how offbeat and creative it was the way they had, it was a disc on two rails and the, the sound, especially the kind of rising whistling note. It's very, very yeah. different from the, the ATTE mass driver cannons we get where it's all these big booming kaboom, kaboom, kapoo, poo, poo, yeah. you know, totally different, but I'm oh. absolutely loved it. Oh yeah. Um. So we find out that the Dugs have some history with the Zillow Beast. Um. Long ago, the Dugs uh lived in fear of the Zillow Beast until uh they managed to tap into fuel reserves in the planet that were toxic to the beasts and basically drove them all to extinctions. But then they told their descendants that one day they knew that the Zillow Beast would come back, just like you know um they do eventually in this episode. Uh, and so it's much more of like a birthright and a historical thing for the Dugs to be able to exterminate this Zillow Beast. Um, by the way, can we get a Disney Plus miniseries about the past Dugs and their war against the Zillow Beasts? Oh, that'd be like so interesting. Three, four, like, uh, three, four, like, episodes. Like, yeah, I want that. Um, be- yeah. Uh, I also, um... Yeah, I also love, um, should we get into, like, the whole, um, because I have a lot to say about, like, the whole how they do Star Wars kaiju sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know what you're referring to. to well, honest, I, well yeah. I love that in most, um, kaiju movies, it's about killing the beast, you know what I mean? That's the goal. Yeah, but killing the beast. The goal is never, for, like, the really good guys, the goal is never killing the beast. The and goal in fact, is 
making sure no one hurts the beast, making sure the yeah. beast doesn't and, hurt anyone. And in fact, this is jumping ahead to the next episode, but the next episode, in the next episode, when the beast is finally put down, it's tragic. Yeah. It's not triumphant. It's tragic, which speaks volumes um, about, you know, what Dave and the crew of this of these episodes did um because you almost feel sad for the beast um yeah uh do you have anything else for like the kaiju stuff before I get to my other notes um uh no dude go for it go ahead uh yeah so eventually they decide um that they're going to do a compromise. They're basically going to trick the dogs into thinking they killed it, but really they just stunned it with their stun cannons, which pierce the innards of the Zillow Beast, putting it into what is essentially a deep sleep. Yeah. Um, and Seems um, I also kind of dubious and a little dangerous, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but they do it and it works. Um, they do it anyway, because of uh, course they do. Uh, yeah. And then they eventually decide, um, the Republic forces eventually decide to bring the Zillow Beast to Coruscant, a.k.a. the worst decision in this arc. The worst decision, like, I can't bring even... Bring it to Coruscant, they said. It would be fun, they said. Yeah, I mean, I mean, why would you bring the most dangerous creature in the galaxy I mean, Padme even said it herself next episode. Yeah, I don't know. It's, why it's would crazy. you do such a terrible thing? Uh Ugh, sucks. It just sucks. It is a really, really dubious decision. I really don't know how to... I mean, I do know how to feel about it. It's... Just bad. It's just it's just bad, yeah. It is It is absolutely bad. But... Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to move uh, on to the Zillaby Strikes Back? I feel like I've exhausted my thoughts on this, pretty much. Uh, what's your overall thoughts about the episode? Overall, um... Yeah, I like it. It's pretty interesting. There are definitely some standout moments, but I feel like it could have tackled... Overall, I thought it was a mid-episode. You know, I feel like it could have tackled the themes a bit better, like gone in, gone a little more in-depth, hit them on the nose a little more. What yeah. with the, the Dugs and the their feeling of really wanting to kill the Zilla Beast and why that is, and you know whatnot and when he says ups i hope you didn't upset the delicate balance of this planet and then but then seeing how already the dugs have completely turned their planet into like one giant fuel mine i just feel like they could have gone in deeper with some things but overall yeah. overall pretty pretty fine episode what did you think of yeah. it overall although it's in my opinion i'll just keep it short although it's the worst of the three episodes that i think of these three it is better than 90% of the episodes we've done so far. Um, it's, like, just a shade not as good as the next one. Um, but, no, yeah, I, it's solid. I think it's very solid. I'm excited to get to the next one. The Zillow Beast Strikes Back. Um, so, should I do a plot summary? Should you do, do you want to do a plot summary? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, they bring it, they bring the Zillow Beast to Coruscant. But then the then the Zillow Beast breaks out of the Republic's um, guard that it had it that it had it in, and eventually the Republic is forced to kill the Beast, despite the protests of the Jedi. Um, 
Fortune Cookie, the most dangerous beast is the beast within. I think this kind of makes sense with the episode, you know? Yep, I, I love it. How far will uh, I wrote? How far will you go until you're the very beast you're fighting? Obi Wan's line from Revenge of the Sith: "You've become the very thing you swore to destroy." Um. Uh, beautiful stuff. Um. Yeah, I feel like it, it's maybe kind of sends a message of. I I have two hypotheses. One, the most dangerous beast is actually humanity, or sentient beings i guess in this case with all the different species of the galaxy kind of standing in for humans in the message or maybe the most dangerous beast is palpatine and the dark side within him because we see palpatine acting pretty evil in this episode you know he's yeah. i really don't understand how the jedi don't catch on to it after can, everything can he i do says. A, can i do a little deep dive here i've been waiting to do this for the entire episode oh yeah go for uh, it yeah this is the best palpatine episode in the clone wars because of one thing he's not in control he's not in control in like of like anything in this episode he didn't think the zilla beast was gonna break out it was clear he didn't and he is clearly scared for his life against this beast i mean or at least he acted like it because it, it was for example one of my favorite parts of this episode Palpatine has a bad feeling about this. Let's think about this. Palpatine is having a bad feeling about this. That's... That's huge. Like, yeah. what the heck? Palpatine's not allowed to have a bad feeling about this. That's something, like, one of the Jedi would say. No, Palpatine has the bad feeling because this is one of the episodes where he's not pulling the strings. This is one of the episodes where the fate is really up to chance. Um, which is just incredible, in my opinion. Um, I also love that Palpatine, like, says some things like, uh, Dr. Bull's, like, the beast may be sentient, and Palpatine's like, are you kidding me? This, this dumb animal can't be sentient. And then, the, and then, you the know, there's that. The second he says that, the Zilla beast gets super upset. There's that, uh, thing from, like, in, uh, Telltale games, you know, those story-based decision games? Yeah. Um. This be this dumb animal can't be sentient. The Zillow Beast will remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so interesting that, that we really see the Zillow Beast kind of understand what's happening I mean, and I mean, the Zillow Beast went on a full Palpatine. revenge tour against Palpatine. The Zillow Beast, of course, breaks out. Palpatine and the Republic want the Zillow Beast's scales uh, because, again, the Zillow Beast is basically impenetrable. Yeah. I mean, Even by a lightsaber, apparently. Which is incredible. Absolutely, yeah. I think... I, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's pretty amazing. But also, I don't know. Going back to what Palpatine does in this episode, it's so obvious that he's evil. <laughs> it's so obvious. Yeah. Not even evil, but it's so obvious that he's a Sith. You know, he... He does this crazy evil smile and says, such size, such power at the beginning. Yeah. And he, I don't it's know, almost he's like just it's so... unlimited power. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. It's just so suspicious the entire time this crazy. But I thought of something that really explains Palpatine's fascination, maybe, with the creature. You know, I'm not sure if it's canon, but 
it lines up that he brought it to Coruscant because his fascination with the ancient Sith art of alchemy is well known, at least in legends. I don't know if it is in canon, but in the Book of Sith, do you know the Book of Sith, right, Ela? Yeah. It's in the not book canon, of but okay. in the book of Sith, he refers to Sith shape casting as and creating massive beasts as nature advanced to perfection. So what better what better subject than the Zillow beast? Maybe maybe he was hoping I don't know theory crafting time. Maybe he was hoping to keep the beast alive long enough that it would be around after Order sixty six and he could do whatever he wanted with it. And maybe. Maybe he decided to have it killed maybe once he realized that it was actually really dangerous or maybe he felt in the force that it it knew what was up and it was gonna gonna come for him. See, my thoughts always stems to him creating a secret stormtrooper army once he created the Empire that has Zilla Beast armor and, like, nobody will be able to stop them, not even Jedi, because, you know, you can't kill them. Yeah, you just, their, their armor, yeah. And the yeah. fact that it's also so light and flexible, according to the scientists, just kind of kind of adds to that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. Um, I also love, did you notice in the background of when the Zilla Beast is climbing around Coruscant that you can hear Palpatine going, the Jedi created the wall. Yeah, I mean. Which is propaganda. so subtle, but it's so good. I know, it's so good. It, everything he does in these episodes, like, how he even frames bringing the Zillobis back to Coruscant. He frames it for Anakin as, oh, we're, we're resting Master Windu's conscience. Like, he knows yeah. even if it goes south, Anakin, he's still going to achieve his goal of Anakin ending up being pissed at Mace Windu, being pissed at the Jedi, being being angry that he doesn't have more say and that his opinions aren't respected. So to me, it's just, it's just fascinating to see that. And get this. Wait, let me find it. Get this. Get this. The Jumbotron of Palpatine is actually repeating the same speech that he also gave in Lightsaber Lost. Even though that happens later chronologically. Like, replaying the same speech, which also just happens to be blaming the war on the Jedi. Propaganda much? Yeah, That's not propaganda at all. Wow. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Not at all. Um, But, uh, so, uh, Anakin... uh, is accompanying Palpatine, who's meeting with, um, uh, sorry, Anakin is accompanying Padme, who's meeting with Palpatine. Um, the Anakin and Palpatine, uh, and Padme scene before the Zillabies breaks out is honestly so funny to me. Um, there's a line which is just beautiful when Padme, man, Pad, no, sorry, when Palpatine's going to address some other things and Anakin and Padme are talking to the side, uh, Padme goes to Anakin, whose side are you on anyway? And Anakin says, yours, but you have to admit he makes some pretty good points. Pretty which much, is pretty much the entire prequel pretty, trilogy. That is that is the entire prequel trilogy. Like, hey. Whose side are you on? Yours, but he makes some pretty good points. That, that's got to be up there with no Anakin, no, in Attack of the Clones with one line that summarizes the entire plot. Or calm down, Anakin. Prequels. Calm down, Anakin. <laughs> it's like, Obi-Wan, calm down, it. Anakin. Anakin. Starts killing younglings. <laughs> yep. That's crazy. Um, I also love, I don't know why it is, I just love, so Yoda and Ayla Sakura are two of the people who are trying to c- contain the beast, and they're just hopping around the beast, and it's so funny. 
Yeah, yeah. I also love Yoda's just so good. Time to leave it is. You just time to go. You're just done. <laughs> He's done fighting this Godzilla monster. Uh, and then we have our unfinished subplot in this episode. After they've killed the beast with gas bombs, um, Dr. Bull receives some new orders. Palpatine wants her to clone the Zilla beast. And we never hear from it again. Yeah, why do we not, like, imagine? Well, actually, I, I, I do know that Dave had some plans on bringing it back in one of the later scenes of the Clone Wars that never actually came to fruition. Uh, so if something was going to be done, it just never actually happened. Um, so, yeah, what do you think, um, about, uh, the Zilla Bee Strikes Back, Jacob? Do you have, or do you have some other stuff? That's it for me, you know, I thought this was a, this was probably my favorite episode of the three. I just thought it was so, the Zilla Beast was super menacing, Palpatine was super menacing. I really like when we get to see, I really, I really like when we just get to see, Palpatine totally manipulate people and be super, super evil and and still just slide under the radar. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. So definitely, definitely my favorite of the three episodes. And you know, it does it ends up pretty sad, but I don't know. I just good ending though. It felt very satisfying. Yeah. It definitely felt like they kicked Except up the intensity thing. a notch. So yeah. Um. My second favorite of the three, slightly um, losing out to Bounty Hunters, um, but still very, very, very strong. I love, again, I love things that sound like they're, I love episodes that sound like about one thing, but are really about another thing. This episode was never about the Zillow Beast. It was always about the other's reactions to the Zillow Beast. Padme's reaction to the Zillow Beast. Palpatine's reaction to the Zillow Beast. Um, And I love that. It's great. It works. Um, these are three very strong episodes, and they're three of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars, honestly. So, um, uh, so now we have everyone's favorite part of Star Wars in the Galaxy. What you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion. This month, um, so... Uh, Jacob, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, you you can go first. Okay. Go so what I'm one of the things I'm planning on doing these days is hopping back into the campaign of Battlefront Two, uh, which is a, an, a such an underrated campaign, and I love it to death. And if you haven't played it yet, it's a short campaign, but it's really good. It has some great messages. Iden Versio and Del Mico are great characters, and so is Gideon Hask, and so is Protectorate Gleb, and so is Shrift Sergov. Um. I can't. I still Good can't believe stuff. they made a character named Gleb. That 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 to me is just hilarious. Gleb. Anyway, great Gleb. great game. So I'm looking forward to playing it again. Jacob. Yeah, for me, um, I'm probably going to say what it was something I've been enjoying this month. You know, I'm I am still deep in, uh, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. I've been trying to I've been trying to savor it because I love the From a Certain Point of View book so much. But this month. I have really been digging reading The Art of the Mandalorian, a big, big hardback uh, yeah. book. Lots of just gorgeous images. And it really makes me realize often how 
there are so many more outlandish concepts in the concept art that end up getting scrapped or not selected and even things that end up do making it things that end up making it in are often toned down and look a little bit less a little bit less exotic especially the vehicles i think but yeah, yeah. it's a really really fun book i love the concept art books my, my favorite star wars book that i own is probably the art of star wars rebels good stuff um yeah so next week next week we got a fire episode to drop i'm so excited for this we can finally announce this too um we're gonna be watching senate spy landing at point rain and weapons factory but we're not gonna be alone we're gonna be joined by uh the host of the great star wars podcast octo radio alden diaz i'm a huge huge fan of alden's uh stuff on his show and just generally in the Star Wars community. And so I am so very excited. We are both so very excited to have Alden on the show um, uh, to talk with us about these three Clone Wars episodes. Um, until then, you can um, find us on Spotify, on Anchor, anywhere uh, you get podcasts, we'll be there. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at in a galaxy pod, Instagram at star Wars in a galaxy. Uh, on, we have a YouTube channel, star Wars in a galaxy. Um, you can find, uh, me on Twitter at OGFan327. <laughs> Email us SWinagalaxy at gmail.com. You can, uh, also leave a rating and review five star rating. Uh, it really does help us get noticed. If you and, feel so inclined. Yes. Yeah. Um, so until next time, um, may the force be with you always.